If you will take your Bibles and turn to the uh, book of Genesis chapter 32, I'd like to share with you what's on my heart. If you'll notice in verse 24, and there's going to be a lot of surrounding scripture I'll use from probably chapter 25 through this one, so just noting some verses about Jacob's life. But this is what it says in verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. I'm going to go ahead and read the whole passage here. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of face to face with Jesus because this wrestling match that Jacob was having in verse 24 says he wrestled with a man. Later on he says, I have met God face to face and my life has been preserved. He's wrestling with the pre-incarnate Christ. This is Jesus who has come back in man form and met with Jacob and is literally they are wrestling together. Now that's a non-wrestling match, amen? <laughs> I mean, Jacob's wrestling with God, so we know who the winner is going to be. So there's some terminology here that may sound a little confusing. It really isn't because it just lends itself to what's taking place here. But Jacob was probably in his middle ages about now. He has um, come to a place where he's departing from one land to another land, which he had done many years prior to that. Someone has said that you know you have reached midlife when you're cautioned by the doctor to slow down instead of the police. That, <laughs> that may be true. I don't know. I haven't been stopped by the police much, thank the Lord. But midlife crisis, now I realize we got a varied crowd, and so, but this does not have to be single. This is just the state of Jacob's life, midlife. Um, so give or take some 10 years, many of us fit in that category, some beyond, some maybe a little bit under. But midlife crisis, somewhere between, believe it or not, 25 and 40 years old, upwards more towards 40. Life has been a flurry of education, and jobs, relationships, and children, some grandchildren. So you wonder where the time has gone. I'm at that state. Boy, it is so fast. The scripture is true. It's like a vapor here today, gone tomorrow. And now you're wondering, how did I get here so fast, and why did I make so many mistakes and I think how many of us would love to go back and redo some things, but there are no redos. You can't redo raising children. You can't redo a marriage. You can't, there's a lot of things you cannot redo. You cannot redo some of the blow-ups that happened in our life. And so we comfort ourselves by going and borrowing all the money we can and buy a Ferrari. <laughs> 
So the scriptures that we're going to look at indicate that he is now at a serious place in his life where he's taken inventory. That's what happens in midlife. That's why all of a sudden you realize life has passed by so rapidly. I've been, education, relationships, jobs, children, and all of a sudden you look and it's it's all behind you, some still left ahead of you, and you wonder what you have to show for it. And this is where Jacob is. Jacob is at a, a, a pitiful but yet a good time in his life. And so uh, he is beginning to feel the danger for his family because you really have to read the passage. He has left Laban now, who he feared for his life from Laban at this point. He's married Leah and Rachel, and now he has fled from there, and now he's going back. And I think for a moment he probably forgot about Esau, who promised to kill him before he left home many years prior. So now he's going back and he hears that Esau is coming to meet him. And not only that, he's got uh, a whole bunch of armed men coming with him. So he takes what God has prospered him with, all these children, all his goods. He has divided them up in portion and he's setting them between each other to meet Esau. And what he says is, I will appease him. And so Jacob's life has been a lot about appeasement. A lot of it has been to appease himself. But now he's at this state where he's trying to figure, how did I get here so fast? And even though I've been blessed and I'm prospered, how did I make so many mistakes? Where do I go from here? I just might die. And it says that once he had divided them up, he went across the brook and that's our text. And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Those are places, that is a place we need to get to, not with all the problems, but we need to get to a quiet place, an alone place, and all of us realize we probably live in some of the noisiest years we've ever lived in the last 20 Something going on all the time. I was sharing with the first group, you know, one of the first things that happens, we leave the house and all of a sudden we go, what am I looking for? I'm looking for my cell phone, all right? I can't, I got to keep up with the information. I got to keep up with the noise. I got to keep up with everything that's going on. And so we live our lives totally distracted from morning to evening. Can I say it's so important for us to be alone There needs to be alone time. Uh, I was sharing that uh, I used to read Vance Havner a lot, a lot of his materials. I've got so many books by him. But one of the things I remembered, I actually got a uh, several, and this has been years back, several cassette cassette tapes of him preaching uh, several messages. And on one of them, he begins to talk about thinking, being alone, and figuring out the future. And he said, there's no problem that anybody has that can't be fixed by a good front porch. Now, for the older generation, my group, and beyond, even actually beyond me, remember the day when you worked all week long and then Saturday evening and Sunday sometimes, you sat on a front porch and did nothing but just think. Think about the last week, think about the week that is coming, thinking about life. And there's certain truth, we need to be alone 
Jacob's in a crisis here and Jacob was left alone. He sent all his family out ahead hoping this will appease his brother. He's thinking about all these things. But during that time of aloneness, there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. I've had those things happen and what blessed times they are. It troubles your soul, but at the same time, and what I'm saying is, Here is Jacob who came face to face with Jesus and all of us need to come face to face with Jesus. Most people fear the thought of being alone with oneself and our thoughts. But maybe one day, maybe this morning, you'll find yourself alone with Jesus. That would be a blessed time for many people. He's the only place that you can really meet God and know who He is. So if you look close, I believe you'll see at this juncture that Jacob, if you know the story of his life and have read the scriptures on this, that he's tired of running. He's tired of fighting. He's tired of figuring. He's tired of hiding. He's tired of dying because he's been dying a little bit at a time for a good period now. So we find Jacob wrestling with a man over three issues, wrestling with God, wrestling with Jesus over three issues. And you may be thinking, well, what could they possibly be wrestling over? That is Jacob and Jesus. But I believe you already know the answer to that question. Because when we, get, be, when we are quiet, we know that's the same issues we wrestle with. The first one is the past. We wrestle with the past Time is passing so rapidly. I've had my education. I've had my jobs, relationships, and and even children to a certain degree. And this time has gone. And things are not necessarily like I want them to be. Jacob was a planner. He was a finagler. He is is the subtle one. He was a manipulator. All of these things. And he thought he had appeased himself by getting everything in order and arranged. But all of a sudden... Life takes a switch and he has to run because of all his organizational manipulations. And then he goes to another land. He finds his wife. He has his children. He has his job and he does very well at that. But now he finds himself in life-death conflict with his father-in-law and his family. And so he flees from there. He runs. Now Laban catches up with him. They have a meeting. But following that, now he goes into the land where he came from. He hears that Esau is coming. I don't know that he had thought about that or not. But all of a sudden, it's a reality and he's coming with armed men. So he prepares his family, sends them out, and now everything is quiet. And Jacob says, has this even been worth it? Is life even worth living? And that's when Jesus stepped in and they begin to wrestle. So they wrestle. Jacob wrestles with his past. It was Esau that said in chapter 27, if you want to go quickly over there with me, you remember Esau, his brother, who, anyway, here's what, here's what is said, verse 34 in chapter 27. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, bless me, even me also, my father. And he said, that is his father said, thy brother came with subtlety and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, is not he rightly named Jacob, for he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now 
He hath taken my blessing. His past was one of physically dying, running, struggling, pacing. He was spiritually dying. Who he was in his sinfulness now keeps him sleepless and burdened and pacing. And now he's wrestling with God over his past. And all of us should come to a place where we wrestle with our past. The scriptures tell us that from the day we're born, we're created sinful. And it's a, it's a, it's a track that leads us to do wrong and to rebel against God in whatever form that may take. Ezekiel 18.4 says, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Romans 6.23, we know very well, the wages of sin is death. Isaiah 52, 2, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. And when you get alone and you begin to wrestle with God, all of this begins to pile up on our shoulder. Our past comes around and begins to meet us. I mean, we've had our education, our jobs, we've been busy, we have relationships, we marry, we have our children, and our life is one big noise until we get to midlife, and all of a sudden, things get quiet, and we say, what's it been worth? What does it all come to? And we realize that we've made mistakes that we can't undo, and the burden gets heavier. Jacob was guilty of bribery. When Esau first came to him, they were young men and Esau had come out of the field and uh, he was hungry, hungry, <laughs> hangry as somebody said. I mean, he had been over the fields and through the woods, to, I don't know, to grandmother's house, I don't know. But he had been busy, he had been hunting and he was tired, he was spent and he comes in and Jacob was a household guy and he had a good meal and so Esau says, man, I'm about to die. Can I have some of that pottage, some of that red stuff that you've got there? And of course, Jacob being the man that he is, well, of course, if, <laughs> if you'll sell me your birthright, if you'll give your birthright in exchange for that. So what do I care about this? I am starving to death. So he, it was bribery. Secondly, he was guilty of lying and deceiving in Genesis 27, the passage that we just read. He lied to his father, deceived his father, deceived his brother. And then thirdly, he was guilty of stealing because he stole his brother's blessing as well. Bribed his birthright, stole his blessing. And now he's wrestling with a man. He's wrestling with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord is allowing all of these to come up in his heart and in his mind. And all the while, as Nathan said to David, Jesus saying, you're the man. This is all you're doing. And so he has played the hypocrite for a number of years now. And we'll see a little bit of that but he's wrestling with his past. And he can't change his past. He can't undo his past. He can't unburden his past. And so he wrestles with Jesus. And I think the point here is, is that Jesus can change the past. 
He can rectify the past. That doesn't mean that he can fix all the failures. I mean, we live with those kind of things, but he can forgive those and cleanse those. As Jacob walked away, it was a new day. The sun rose, and even though he limped, he, it was a new day. He was a different man. He had a new name. He was no longer burdened under this. And thank God we can come to the cross of Calvary, and we no longer have the name of sinner, but we have sinner saved by grace. He was wrestling with his past, and now he's wrestling also with his family. In chapter 32 and verse 3, And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, unto the land of Seir. And he's saying, I will appease him. Well, Jacob is wrestling with the wrong treatment of his family. And as we study things out, it's a sad element that we have had in the news, the guy that, you know, went into the business and shot and killed a number of people and then committed suicide. And there are problems in the workplace. There's no two ways about that. But our major problem with every last one of us are within our families. Where we came from. How we were treated. Even more so, how we reacted to the treatment. We are what we were brought up as. And Jacob was brought up in a family where his mom and dad were specialists at adoring one child and not the other. They showed favoritism, so there was a pulling back and forth between mom and dad over favoritism. And it got to the boys because the boys understood that favoritism. They played it to their favor, and now it ends up in a total family split. Jacob ends up having to leave home, the brother wanting to kill him. There can't be a good relationship between Isaac and Rebekah. And by the way, their starting relationship was one of love, and it was marriage. It's one of those in the Bible that remained one man, one woman, and committed to one another. But there was obviously a huge rift, and the rift usually shows up when the children appear. <laughs> And so he's fighting and wrestling over his family and his reaction in the family. And I want to tell you, there's no greater hindrance to sins forgiven than sins against our family. Your peace is at stake. Your prayers are at stake. And many times a place in heaven is at stake. Jacob's at midlife and he's looking back and he thought he could run from all those. He's been running all of his life. But don't you see, you can run, but you cannot hide. Somewhere, sometime, for all of us, it's going to get quiet and we're going to have to wrestle with God. We're going to have to wrestle with a number of issues. We're going to have to wrestle with our past. We're going to have to wrestle with our family function, whether it's dysfunctional or not. And eventually life is going to slow down and get quiet and we're going to have to wrestle with him. Can I tell you, you can do it now or you can do it later with far worse outcome. There was an old car commercial, Brother Sloan reminded me this morning, it was Fram Filter. Some of you may remember, there was a, this car commercial advertising Fram Filters, and they had a mechanic on there who's wiping his hands with a towel and all that, and he said, you can pay me now. And then he looked at a wind, uh, a, a, an engine that was all tore up, or he said, you can pay me later. 
You can pay me for an oil change now and a filter change now, or you can pay me later for a totally rebuilt engine. Jacob is wrestling with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus is simply letting him know, you can pay me now, or you can pay a whole lot later. I don't know, all of us have luggage. We have our life luggage. We have our past luggage. We got our family luggage. Can I tell you this morning, you can quit hauling that around if you want to. If you'll just meet with Jesus. If you just get alone and meet with Jesus, you can get rid of that luggage. Burdens are lifted at Calvary, the song says. What a beautiful song. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. At Calvary, at Calvary, burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus has that ability. And how fortunate. Now, Jacob probably didn't think he was so fortunate that all of a sudden he's left alone. And now there's a man and he's got to wrestle with him. I'm sure he didn't appreciate it at the time, but it didn't take much longer getting to the morning time in his life that he sure was glad. He he didn't mind that limp at all because he didn't have a burden on his heart and his soul anymore. He could live with a limp, but he's dying with the burden. Old song says, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson, deep stain. He washed it white as snow. Or it could be the song that we hear, Sorry, I never knew you. I find no record of your birth. Sorry, I never knew you. Go serve the one that you served before. Will you pay him now or will you pay him later? Will you pay homage now and get forgiveness and cleansing or will you just keep right on hoping and hoping that somehow or another there'll be some relief, there'll be some peace and you can survive? Finally, he wrestled with his future and that's really what it all boils down to, wrestling over the future. Because in this passage that is our text area, he wrestled with him over his future As I said earlier, Jacob had played the hypocrite for years and now he was face to face with Jesus and couldn't fake it or hide it anymore. It was back in chapter 28 where Jacob had run from home and he laid down to sleep. He made pillow of stones and it was then that he saw a ladder going from heaven to earth and he knew there was a God and God spoke to him and he spoke to God and he said, if you'll take care of me, if you'll prosper me, if you'll do all these things, then I will. I want to tell you, it's characteristic of all of us to make deals with God, but I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. God does not make deals. He makes no deals. The only deal God has ever made was at Calvary. That's the only deal God ever made. Whosoever will may come. That's God's deal. I've counseled with so many over the years of pastoring and being involved in church and the saddest ones are always the man or woman that comes to me and their marriage is blowing up and preacher, I would do anything to get them back. What can you tell me to get them back? Well, I always, let's let's look at salvation first. Are you saved? Do you know Christ is your Savior? Have you fully committed yourself to Him? Well, if I'll do that if I can get my wife. God does not make deals. If I can just get my children, God does not make deals. He is a personal God. He didn't wrestle with anybody else here but Jacob. 
And he may be wrestling with you this morning. He was wrestling over his future. But what happened here is Jacob prayed through and got the victory over his sin. It's an interesting passage of Scripture. I said there were some things that seemed a little strange because you read verse 24 and Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. This was an all-night prayer meeting. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him. Now that's Jesus. That's God talking. Now you know that's right. I mean, all he had to do was just push Jacob off. But it's Jacob's wrestling. He touched the hollow of his thigh. The hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Now notice this. This is so important, this whole subject here. And Jesus said to him, what is thy name? You know, that's parallel to the beginning of the book of Genesis when God is walking in the cool of the day and He's crying out, Adam, where are you? Well, God knows everything. We all understand He knew exactly where Adam was. The question was, did Adam know exactly where he was? He had to face up with his past he had sinned. He had rebelled against God. Jacob had sinned and rebelled against God. and was at, So he had to confess. Jesus saying, who are you? What is your name? He already knew that. But you can see a little shamed-facedness, pain and agony, a bowed head. I am Jacob. I am I am the deceiver. I've done so much wrong. I am Jacob. And Jesus said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. What he had prevailed over, his pride, his arrogance, his sinfulness. And Jesus is just simply saying here, you're forgiven, you're cleansed, and you got a new name written down in glory. Now what you'd like to have, wouldn't you like to have peace? That won't happen until you get alone with God. And He just waits for you to come quickly to Him.